woke up the next morning, the sun is just splitting the skies. We come down for breakfast and I cannot tell you the smile on this man's face. And I just looked at him and said, what's going on? Why, why are you so happy this morning? He goes, I just woke up in St. Andrews and I looked out my window at the first hole and the 18th hole and the road hole. I stood on the first tee with him that day. He just put his arm around me and he said, I will never forget this trip. This is On the Tee with HMB. I'm DJ Jones, and that was the voice of Ian Dalzell, PGA head professional at Huntington Valley Country Club. As you'll hear shortly, Ian's story from St. Andrews has an interesting twist, but we'd like to pause here to welcome you to the first episode of our revamped podcast. As you might recall, on the Tee with HMB began its life years ago and was primarily dedicated to our golf course and hotel partners across the pond. Those original episodes still live over on our YouTube channel, but today we've reimagined the show by turning the spotlight on PGA professionals from around the country, inviting them to come and talk golf, life, and travel. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy the rest of our conversation with Ian Dalzell. Well, Ian, thank you for helping us kick off round two of our podcast. Your time is valuable to say the least, and we appreciate you investing a little of it with us here today. Sure, of course. Happy to help, Daniel. And, uh, you know, thanks for, for giving me this opportunity. So before we dive in, I happened to notice on Instagram that the club posted a picture of you taking part in a little celebration in the clubhouse over the weekend. What was going on there? So one of our uh, partners that we use in the shop had uh, offered uh, this kind of tap system where you can you can put a bourbon, a whiskey of your choice, whatever you'd like uh, in there. And uh, it's it's a real custom piece. It's beautiful. And of course, we we jumped on it and put some in the shop. Um, but it got me thinking, you know, how we could highlight it in the middle of the golf shop. So we worked with another vendor. Uh, to get us some really nice little whiskey glasses with our club logo on them. And it says the perfect shot. And we have it kind of displayed in the middle of the golf shop. It's a, it's a conversation piece. And uh, you know, everyone that comes in this year says what's going on here. And what we want to do is commemorate the hole in one uh, at the club at Huntington Valley this year. And this is a new tradition uh, that we're going to carry on for as long as we can. Uh, And uh, essentially if you are lucky enough to make a hole-in-one at Huntington Valley, you come into the golf shop. And uh, as I say, you sample some Irish water with the golf pro. So your foursome comes in, takes a shot uh, of, of what we have in there. Of course, it's Bushmills. We like to support the family as often as we can. And, and that's close to home for us. And uh, everyone takes a shot. And then the the person who made the ace gets to take that glass home with them as well. So uh, every time they open their glass cabinet and see that little glass there, it says the perfect shot. They will remember their day at Huntington Valley. So it's a new tradition that's born. And uh, this weekend, we happen to have the first hole in one by one of our members. Just a fantastic shot uh, on hole number five. And and the group came in and uh, we started a new tradition. So pretty exciting. Well, and what a great new tradition, especially to be able to tie in home by including Bush Mills. Uh, You touched on this briefly, but all of us have an origin story in terms of how we discovered the game of golf. 
share with us a little of yours. I, uh, my family is all involved in golf. Uh, my mother, my father, and my two older brothers and uh, grew up uh, in a small town where golf is a big thing, as it is in most small towns in Ireland. I think I started the game around seven years of age. I retired at eight. Thought I had mastered the game, apparently, or, or it wasn't for me. I don't know. Uh, picked it up quickly again at 10 years of age, and I've had a club in my hands ever since. My mother and father tell stories of me. I used to ride my bike down there after school and put it on the side of the clubhouse and uh, basically stay there until dark. They tell stories uh, of of one of our um, members of staff at Port Stewart Golf Club right up on the north coast of Northern Ireland. And uh, her name was B. McGowan, and she took care of the entire clubhouse. And uh, she would recount to my parents that I'd be out in the middle of a rainstorm on the putting green uh, almost dark, still rolling putts. I certainly didn't master the game. I don't know if any of us have, but I spent uh, pretty much every waking hour at Port Street Golf Club uh, growing up. I worked on the greens crew when I was a young lad, uh, filling divots uh, in, the, in my spring break and also in the summer, and then eventually worked in the, behind the bar uh, for about four years uh, going through college. So just grew up around the game, around the club, uh, and no better place to grow up, honestly. And how great, especially given where you are now, to not only be able to start at such a young age, but also to experience so many different aspects of the business. I'm curious, in your position, you're in the rare position, I should say, of having experienced the golf business on both sides of the Atlantic. How does the role of PGA professional vary from, say, the clubs in the UK and Ireland versus the private clubs here in the United States? Sure. No, it's a it's a great question. And there's a lot of differences uh, between being a PGA professional in the UK and and being one over here in the US. I was I was not a golf pro in the UK, but certainly spent a lot of time around the club and uh, have friends who are golf professionals over there. You know, in so many ways, the sport uh, in the UK is uh, is a much in a much simpler form, and the best way that I could describe that, Daniel, is it's really uh, about the game over there, and and maybe less about the service. In the US, I feel like uh, clubs, um, because it's so competitive, really have to focus on differentiators, and they do that by uh, different types of service and what you can do in the locker room and what you can do on the driving range and the bag drop and the golf shop um, and really focus on customer service, customer care. Having been uh, in the U.S. as a golf professional now for uh, almost 25 years, that has always been one of the main focuses for myself and my team. In the U.K., I say the golfer is very self-sufficient. They kind of uh, get down to the club. They pull the car out. They go in the locker room. Uh, they take care of their own shoes. Uh, they clean them off after the round. They pop their head in the door to the golf pro and say, hello, how you doing? And, and maybe, you know, give a pound or five pounds or whatever to get in the, in, the, in the weekly sweeps competition or in the twos competition. And they head to the tee and they play. They tee off. You know, as we know, uh, pretty much walking, most times uh, carrying your own bag. And uh, it's, it's just a much simpler form of golf over there. The golf professional um, 
would probably not be asked to do as many things as they are uh, on this side of the pond. Certainly at the larger clubs over there, a big focus on merchandising as well uh, with all the visitors that are coming from the U.S. to the U.K. But in short, I think the focus is very much on the game of golf itself in the U.K. Uh, and the focus uh, at many clubs here in the U.S. is on service, uh, providing service. It's not just a simple go get it, find that ball and hit it again and enjoy your run out there. Well, as with almost any business, you know, PGA professional often finds themselves moving around a bit, and and you're no exception. Uh, you were at Hidden Creek uh, before Huntington Valley, where you've been for over a decade now. I'm curious, what kind of challenges and opportunities did that pr- transition present to you? Sure, yeah. Um, I, I was uh, at Hidden Creek Golf Club down at New Jersey Shore, uh, which was a private for-profit and a, and a startup. So it was a brand new club, Corn Crenshaw, phenomenal uh, piece of land that presented challenges that I'd never had before. I was coming in as an assistant pro. It was my first head pro job. Um, wonderful challenges to build a program, to build culture, to build different events that would be appealing to the membership and uh, policies and procedures and to try to build out you know, what, what a good golf experience would be like uh, if you could start fresh. And it was a, a absolutely wonderful uh, learning ground, absolutely wonderful experience uh, at Hidden Creek. And uh, juxtaposition, you know, fortunate to get a, a position at Huntington Valley Country Club, which uh, next year will celebrate its 125th year. And so coming to a club that's member-owned, uh, not-for-profit, so the focus is on making sure that the service is there, but coming into a, an operation where uh, the events and the programming is fairly established. So a little uh, challenge there to uh, try to uh, take what's already there and take the rich history of a club like Huntington Valley, which has such a phenomenal history in the Philadelphia area and beyond, quite frankly, and um, try to put some personal touches into the operation, try to make small improvements as we see them and uh, involve the team and obviously uh, take the time to learn the membership and learn what their wants and needs are uh, and how we can best deliver them. So, you know, in many ways, Daniel, uh, the two clubs, while very different in structure, the end goal is the same, right? To make sure that every player that comes through there, member or guest, has a quality golf experience. And uh, I think we do that every day as a team. Uh, we don't always get it right, but we always learn from it. You know, that's that's kind of what we do in our business. And I don't know if every industry is like this, but the golf pros share ideas. Uh, they're willing to help. They're willing to share. And when we go to other clubs and facilities, we we pick little things that could make our golf experience even better, and we bring them back to our club. Well, you touched on a good point there. With um, with such a long and rich history already in place at Huntington Valley, what has travel brought to the equation that may have been missing? Uh, what have you brought back from across the pond that's that's added to the culture of this already storied club? Sure, yeah. So... Um... Prominently displayed in the golf shop always was a, a big aerial photo of Roadport Rush uh, to always have that story about how great golf is uh, back in the UK, back in Ireland and Scotland. 
all over really. And, and, and again, we touched on it at the, at the part of, at the start of this, uh, with regard to that, that tap with the Bushmills, it's a good conversation piece. Honestly, uh, it's probably one area that the club didn't, um, delve into prior to me arriving, which was, you know, taking, uh, golf trips far and wide with the membership. Uh, it's, it's an incredible benefit, uh, to our members to have a, a golf professional there who wants to travel and who wants to help set these uh, experiences up. And that's what they really are. They're life experiences, Daniel, to, to go the play St. Andrews, play Royal Dorner, go up to the Highlands, to go to somewhere like Carnoustie, uh, where they see the Open being played, uh, Turnberry, uh, Bally Bunyan, Waterville, Lahance Tralee, and, and on it goes, right? You and I both know how good those facilities are and, and what those experiences are like. But for someone who may have ventured down to Florida a few times and, and played a few courses in Philadelphia and New Jersey and the surrounding Met area, uh, they, they don't have that experience under their belt. So to be able to tell those stories and say, you know, we, we might have something in the works for next year. Would you be interested we, we've seen we've seen really good strong interest and uh, and satisfaction with bringing the travel program uh, to Huntington Valley again long rich history uh, but this is really something relatively new for the club and its membership. Well, you touched on a number of outstanding courses and destinations there, but you've also led a few trips to home to Port Rush and Port Stewart and. What has that experience been like for your members to essentially see the country with you as a local? Yeah, I uh, I get choked up when you say home because it always will be home, near and dear to me, and a lot of friends and my family still there. And I just had a conversation yesterday with one of our members in the golf shop who is going to be on a trip with me in 2022 to home. I said, listen, if we get enough people and we have, you know, too many, I'd be happy to step back and make sure the members get on the trip. I'll set everything up. We'll work with Haversham. I'll make sure everything on the ground is great. And uh, she very quickly said, absolutely not. The one thing that we want to experience is to be home with you at your club, in your town uh, and in your community. That's the selling point for us. And so it's, I, I can't express how proud I am when I take a group of members over there. I've been doing it for, with, with you guys for a long time. We're, we're probably looking at 15 to 18 years in partnership. And to take uh, a group over there and to take them uh, to, to the towns uh, where I grew up to show them when we're heading towards a golf course, that's the school I, I went to. Uh, to show up at the club and uh, see old faces that maybe I haven't seen for 10 or 15 years, but they're still there, uh, still behind the bar, still welcoming uh, our group uh, and telling stories, which are not all factual, by the way, you know, that over the years, the stories uh, change a little bit, but it is incredible. I will say, Daniel, the one thing that, that I feel uh, every time I go home is very fortunate. Uh, did not realize how fortunate I was to grow up and have courses like Port Stewart and Royal Port Rush at my disposal. Didn't really realize what how great they are. Now that I played a lot of phenomenal golf courses in the U.S., 
uh, and seen some great facilities, I realized, uh, you know, that I really took it for granted. Um, and when I look at my members' faces when they are on the first tee, on the fifth green at Port Rush, or uh, come up over the crest of the hill uh, to the tee box on number two at Port Stewart and say, what, what is this? It, it's incredible. And when you see them pull their phones out, you know, kind of on, almost on every, every hole, it really warms your heart. It really does. And uh, very lucky to, to call Port Stewart my home. Well, just outstanding stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps just, just hearing about it, and it's certainly not home for me. It's a long way from Florida, but you, uh, you hit on something there that I, I wanted to expand on, and that is that you know, you know the golf courses as well as anyone. You grew up there, you know, the courses, the hotels, the key people involved. There's no reason why you couldn't plan these trips yourself. So why do you continue to turn to Haversham and Baker? You know, that's a question I get asked all the time by golf pros in particular, um, because, you know, they may call me and ask me, you know, they're thinking of setting a trip up. Uh, members have expressed an interest and they've not done it yet. and They'd like to do it. And they, they always ask me when I tell them, you know, to contact Haversham and Baker, they always say, well, why do you do that? You, you already know. You already know the courses. You have contacts there. You can make a, a few phone calls and get it done. And over the years, I've I've basically narrowed it down to two main things that uh, that I tell everyone who asks me, and that's that's team. Uh, you're much better as a team, and time management. And so, what I mean by team is, I understand how many people it takes to put a trip like this together. It's not a one-person job, Daniel. Uh, working with Julie and and all the things that she does and your entire team at Haversham, I understand how, how many things need to be done to put this trip together. Okay, so if I'm booking one course, one round for a foursome or eight people, uh, yeah, I can do that myself. If I'm doing two rounds, it's a little more complex because I need to make sure I get the times right and I need to make sure I get the flow of the courses correct. We'll multiply that by six or seven day trip and the back and forth that ensues because one course is available on Wednesday, but not on Thursday, but the other course, then they can take you on Wednesday as well. So now you might need to move to Tuesday with the other property and the flow uh, of the trip, right? So you don't want to be bouncing from coast to coast. You want to try to do a pocket of courses and then move location and do another pocket of courses. So the back and forth with accommodations uh, and the golf courses and getting the flow right, the team that you have at Haversham takes care of all of that, right? And the second part is time management. And it it kind of, it goes hand in hand with our first part. As golf professionals, uh, we are being asked to do more and more from a business aspect in the United States uh, with our country clubs and our golf courses and, and golf clubs that we're part of. And rightfully so. It is a business. You know, we're being held accountable for that. And so our time uh, is very precious and we should be spending it uh, with our members and with our clubs and with our, our club leadership to make sure that the experience is good, to make sure the, cl- the club is financially viable and healthy 
and being out in, in front with our membership. We shouldn't be spending it, you know, on the phone, calling overseas, trying to secure, you know, three key times and, and, a, and a hotel night at the same time and the back and forth that ensues with that. So from a time management perspective, getting with uh, Haversham and Baker is, is a huge resource for us. Uh, and the last, you know, the last analogy that I would give you on that subject is, you know, some of the best players in the world, right, on the PGA Tour, Tiger Woods, Bryson DeChambeau, Jordan Spieth, these guys all have teams around them, right? They know the game. They have the technology. They could look at their golf swing, look at the track bed numbers and make changes, right? They still have a coach. They still have a, a sports psychologist. They still have a putting coach, right? So they surround themselves with specialists in their field, even though they're the best players in the world. So uh, I am not a travel specialist, even though when I came out of college, I, my first job was actually working with a startup golf travel company. I, I reach out to the specialists when I want to take a trip that is going to be sizably financially for anyone, right? It's, a, it's an investment that you're making, um, but also I want to make sure that we deliver those memories. So I'm not going to leave anything to chance. I'm going to go to a specialist in the field, and that's Haversham and Baker. Well, one thing to add to the time management uh, thing, and because it's a timely one, uh, no pun intended, and that is that today the tee sheets at Royal Port Rush and Royal County Down opened, and so Julie Wellage was up at 3 a.m. making phone calls and getting those tee times on the books for 2022. And you know, the PGA professional already wears enough hats. I, I don't know if I don't know too many that would want to add a 3 a.m. wake up to book tea times uh, to that list. No, that's so true, Daniel. We just had an extremely busy weekend at the club at talking with our, one of our members, you know, and he said, isn't this great to see the club so lively, so full of life? And it was, and we had a tremendous weekend. We had some demo days and we had some, you know, gap team matches in our Philadelphia area. We had a junior program going on and we had a lot of players playing. So, the last thing I would want to do personally is to wake up at three o'clock this morning uh, to try to secure tea times for 2022, right? It's the furthest thing from my mind. So it's really important today to manage our time. I think all of us golf pros, you know, every time we get on a conference call, we're like, hey, has anyone got any time management tips? Uh, because we're trying to manage our time better. We have a lot of things to do. But at the end of the day, we still want to be able to go out and teach our members, play with our members, and be out front, given that hospitality. So it's hard to do when you've got administrative tasks in the background, like setting up uh, your trip for 22. Well, you touched briefly on memories, and uh, we've always said that we're in the memories business. I realize that asking you to narrow down a couple favorites is perhaps an impossible task, but... Any standout moments that uh, that you'd like to share from your past expeditions? Yeah, listen, of course, uh, Royal Port Rush. Um, and anytime I take anyone home, I have so many memories there. But, you know, when I think back on trips that I've taken with our members, there is there is one memory that really stands out for me. And no surprise that it, that St. Andrews would be involved in that. It's just such an iconic place, such a historic location. 
to take members to. And again, I, I lived in, in Scotland for almost a year coming right out of college and was fortunate to spend some time at St. Andrews. Taking people back there who've never been there before, it's incredible. Stand on that first tee to just even arrive in the town. And so I took a group of 16 there several years ago. I'm going to say it was around 10 years ago now. And, uh, you know, we arrived at the Rusex Hotel and, you know, it was, of course, fully booked. Uh, it was in the summertime and everyone got their rooms. You know, we, we came down for dinner and, of course, everyone's standing out on that white picket fence uh, overlooking the 18th fairway. I kind of saw, you know, one of one of my members' faces and it was a little different. I was expecting something different. And, you know, I said, hey, what's what's going on? And he, he said, well, I'm so disappointed. My my room's not overlooking 18. And, you know, obviously we had worked hard to get rooms uh, that were overlooking 18, but it's difficult to do. Right. And it just so happened that my room by just pure chance was overlooking 18. So. As we left the lobby, I, I told the lady behind the reception desk, if there's any way to just move all of our stuff while we're out to dinner and just tell them when one became available, don't tell them whose it is. So we went out to dinner, we came back, all went to bed, woke up the next morning, the sun is just splitting the skies. We come down for breakfast and I cannot tell you the smile on this man's face. And I just looked at him and said, what's going on? Why, why are you so happy this morning? He goes, I just woke up in St. Andrews and I looked out my window at the first hole and the 18th hole and the road hole. He's like, they moved my room last night. They, they, a room came open. I, I'll never forget that. Uh, it was kind of funny that that made such a difference to him, but it did. I never told him. He still doesn't know that, uh, <laughs> that we switched rooms under the cover of darkness. Uh, but I stood on the first tee with him that day. He just put his arm around me and he said, I will never forget this trip. Uh, and do you know what, Daniel? He went back to St. Andrews so many times after that trip. One of his children attended St. Andrews University. And so I know that, that trip had a huge impact on him. He's a golf aficionado. He loves the game. Don't get me wrong. But that went way beyond just a game of golf on that trip. He, he was inspired by, by that location, by that little town on the edge of the water. And uh, it's part of his family's history now. It was all because we took a golf trip, a simple golf trip to Scotland about 10 years ago. Well, just outstanding stuff. And obviously we're going to hope that he doesn't stumble across the link to this podcast somewhere along the way. Otherwise the story's up. Yeah, I will not be sharing it with him. Well, I have a quick memory to share from one of your trips to St. Andrews, and it may even be the same one. And I don't think you know about this one, but um, you were in St. Andrews and we tweeted something along the lines of wishing Ian Dalzell a memorable day at the old course with his members. And a gentleman named Mike Ryan chimed in and added, having a pint with Ian Dalzell at the Jigger Inn should be an official itinerary entry on all golf trips to Scotland. And we just thought that was pretty great and right on brand. Yeah, Mike is uh, Mike is a dear old friend and I'm not surprised at all that uh, he crafted something like that. that. That sounds just like him. You know, golf just brings people together 
in the best way possible. I'm not surprised that Mike tweeted that. I, that's pretty funny. Well, Ian, this has been outstanding. And to, to put maybe a slight bow on this, I'm curious, any advice that you would pass along to the young PGA professional who's maybe getting going in their career? Yeah, sure. I would tell them to uh, absolutely make travel uh, one of the amenities that they provide, one of the pieces of the program. Uh, when a young assistant pro becomes a head pro and tries to you know, put their stamp on that facility, uh, they're going to focus on things like the events. They're going to focus on ladies programming. They're going to focus on junior golf and family-centric activities. Uh, and once they get uh, those things out of the way, I would tell them as soon as possible to uh, go ahead and build a couple of small domestic trips uh, with, with some great, there's some great resorts in the U.S. right here. Do a couple of domestics, and that primes the pump to say, Let's go have a lifetime experience in Ireland and Scotland and go play some golf. I'm always reminded, uh, Daniel, of that phrase that that says, you know, they may not remember what you said. Uh, They may not remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. That that feeling, uh, that memory lasts way longer than actual words or, or actions. And so when we take golf trips with our members, they remember long, long after that trip is over, 10, 20, 30 years. Um, I still have members who I took trip with 20 years ago. And when we meet up and they're introducing me to someone, they'll be like, we went to Scotland in, you know, 2007 and it was the best trip I've ever taken. So those memories, they stay, uh, they stay in the body and soul for way long after they remember what you may have said or done. And so I would tell young golf professionals, make that travel one of your essentials within your programming that you're going to offer. Uh, the bond that you create with the membership is also really telling. I, I know there's lots of stats out there about members who travel with their club, who have organized travel the retention of those members is so much stronger than someone who has not traveled. And so, you know, the bond that you create is, is really uh, incredible. I would say the members get to know you uh, as a real person. You're not just a staff member at the club. They realize that you have a wife or children and a mother and a father, and you have your own challenges that you're dealing with outside of work. And so, you really get to know one another, uh, your conversations when you're on these trips, when you're on the bus, uh, when you're you know, on the range, um, before you're around uh, at Ballyliffin or whatever, you have these conversations that go much deeper than, you know, hey, can you get me into the event next week? Or could I schedule a lesson with someone? Uh, or can you order me that new wedge? Conversations go so much deeper. And so the relationship, the bond that you create with these members, it's so long lasting. Uh, I can tell you categorically, the members that I've traveled with, uh, those are my strongest relationships at the club. No no doubt about it. Ian, you have been very uh, generous with your time and we certainly appreciate it. I'm curious if I could take just a couple more minutes and maybe fire a few lightning round questions at you. Okay. Yeah. Stressful. Favorite course across the pond? I'm a little biased. 
Royal Port Rush Golf Club, the best course in the world, bar none. Best club in your bag? Oh, it's definitely my putter. <laughs> Everyone will tell you that. It's definitely my putter. Favorite hobby or activity off the golf course? I would say my favorite thing is to watch my children playing sports. Um, we have two boys, baseball and golf uh, for our older son, Tyler, and our younger son plays golf, lacrosse, and ice hockey. For Michelle and I, there's no greater pleasure than just to be on the sidelines and watching them play in the sport that they love. Who else should we invite on the podcast? Uh, I would think uh, Graham Cliff, good friend of mine at Colorado Golf Club. Graham does a lot of travel with his membership. And last but not least, where to next? I can't wait, Daniel. I've got two trips planned for 2022. Uh, one with a group that I call Young Guns. Uh, it's a young young group of guys at the club, and um, we've done some domestic trips, and uh, we're ready now to, to go overseas and take a trip, and we're, we're going to Ireland for that trip. And then I also have a, a couple's trip. Uh, I'm sorry, a ladies-only trip. So seven ladies plus myself. Uh, and we're really looking forward to that, and that's also going to be in 2022. So obviously things being what they are in the country, things have uh, been pushed off a little bit and delayed, but we are excited uh, for the planning of those two trips. Uh, and even though they're 15, 16 months out, the members uh, are already talking about it and looking forward to it. So thank you for this opportunity, and uh, you know, I look forward to, uh, to talking with you again soon. Well, it was absolutely our pleasure, Ian. Thank you once again for helping us kick off round two of our podcast here. And rest assured that we are counting down the days to those expeditions right alongside you. All right. Wonderful. Great. Cheers. Cheers, Ian. Cheers.